Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. I know a lot of you out there are attempting to build your company, your brand, and an online presence for the very first time, which is always the most difficult stage in any entrepreneur's career. Establishing that foothold and getting the market's attention when you don't have an audience already is a huge challenge. So I'm always eager to bring guests onto the show who have managed to overcome this initial hurdle. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Mona Vand. Mona is building one of the fastest growing personal brands in the health and wellness industry. And what makes her story particularly interesting is that she used to be a pharmacist. And the pharmaceutical industry is not really viewed very fondly by those in the natural health world. In fact, it's often portrayed as enemy number one. But Mona didn't give in to that fact or give in to the assumed expectations for a wellness expert. Instead, she incorporated her expertise in both areas into her brand, resulting and an extremely unique combination that's allowed her to stand out in a very crowded marketplace. Well, today we're going to dive into her thoughts around branding, the challenges she's had along the way, and how she's built up an audience on Instagram of more than 116,000 followers. So if you're looking for ways to stand out and establish your brand, today's podcast is for you. With that being said, please help me welcome Dr. Mona Vand. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Dillard here. And today we are going to be talking to an entrepreneur who's just been building an amazing personal brand over the last year or two. I've been following all of her work on Instagram, and it's just been really impressive to watch her progress and evolution as a business owner. So Dr. Motivand, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. We've got a bunch of mutual friends uh, in the, the health industry and out in LA. And yeah. Your, your name keeps popping up. So I was uh, fortunate. <laughs> All good things, I hope. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's been, uh, it's been really cool to, to get to know you and, and get to know more about your business. And it's been really interesting as far as your story goes, because you come from the pharmaceutical industry. You're a pharmacist, right? Yes. And it turns out that you've now built uh, an incredibly fast-growing personal brand and business in the health and wellness industry, which I think is really interesting because, uh, at least in my experience, the pharmaceutical industry is almost like a four-letter word to most people in the, in the health and wellness industry. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love it if you could take some time to bring us up to speed on your story and how you ended up doing what you're doing. I would love to. So I, you know, when I went to, I went to pharmacy school right out of high school and it wasn't like I had this big dream of being a pharmacist when I was 18, but I just knew I wanted to do something in medicine. And I remember like even talking to my parents and thinking, oh, maybe, you know, I could do something in cosmetics or maybe something different. I just thought it was a good base degree to have. And really at the time, what's funny is I was, I was told and agreed that it was a great job for women. You know, if you want to have kids, you can work three or, you know, three days a week and get your hours in. So that was kind of my mentality when I was younger, which there's nothing wrong with, but it's just shifted so drastically since then. So I went to pharmacy school and I loved what I was studying. Uh, I actually really wanted to be a news anchor. My parents are Persian and Persian culture is kind of notorious for wanting you to do something, either doctor or lawyer. That's usually <laughs> what they want you to do. So they were like, you're not majoring in communications. So I studied pharmacy and then I moved out to LA. I, I lived here part-time with my dad, but I permanently moved here. 
and I started working and I just immediately day one hated it and had this kind of overwhelming, I had this overwhelming feeling. First of all, I was, I was just graduated and I said like, okay, this is it. There's no more three month summer breaks. There's no, like, this is my life. I get like two weeks off a year. And this is, I, I felt like I was in jail. It really, really freaked me out. And I just didn't like the job environment. I, I kind of like had this, I think the idea of having a boss, which I don't know how this comes off, but it just didn't, <laughs> it didn't sound right. I almost felt like you were like a kid where, you know, even like in a pharmacy, it's a very strict environment. You couldn't eat while you were there. Like you could only take a 30 minute break. The whole thing just kind of was upsetting to me. So I started figuring out what else I could do. And that was one of my first friends in LA actually happened to be a news anchor. So I kind of fell into this like friendship circle of entertainment and TV people. And I would see everyone doing these really fun, creative, interesting things that I didn't like that I had no creativity in what I was doing. So she suggested, she's like, why don't you be like the, the expert that goes on TV, like the medical expert. And so I kind of had this seed planted and that's when blogging has ha, was just kind of a new thing. And I, I had this idea to blog about skincare and beauty and wellness, but with, you know, a doctorate and a medical background and kind of use that as my niche. So that's how it all started. And then I just, you know, many years later got here. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So how long ago was that? That was 2012 was when I, well, I started thinking about it in around 2010. I graduated in 2009. Like in 2009 first, when I was, I was working for Rite Aid, that's what I thought I was going to do because that paid the most and I thought I'd pay off my student loans. Immediately, I switched to like a closed door pharmacy thinking if I just had a regular nine to five, I could wear whatever I wanted to work. Like That would be great. And that was my go-to and I'd be fine. I quickly found out that wasn't fulfilling to me either. So then around 2010, 11 is when I really started thinking. And then the end, right at the end of 2012 is when I started actually taking action. I met a uh, asked a friend in LA for help building a website. And I was like, all right, let me just build a website. And, you know, maybe I could be a consultant or something. And she suggested I go to this woman in LA, her name's Marky Costello. And she is notoriously known for like teaching hosts how to be on camera. And they were like, you need to go. And so I, I want, I wanted to have a meeting with this woman, Marky Costello. And they were like, well, you have to go to her boot camp first. No one can meet with her unless you go to her boot camp. So that was $500. So I paid $500, went to this all day boot camp. And they were talking about branding. And this was such a foreign word then. No one used it. Now it's like five-year-olds talk about branding themselves. So she was like, what's your brand? And whatever. so I went through this whole course, had to like get up in front of a room and read off a teleprompter, which was the scariest thing to me because I had never done anything like that. And after this boot camp, I sat, I, you know, set up a meeting with her and she loved what I was going for. We called it the model pharmacist then. And we started building a site. So that was... My first meeting with her was in the very, like January, 2013. And that's kind of when it all started. I think I built my website four months later. Very cool. And so when you, you started to put together the website and mm -hmm. you're transitioning out of the pharmaceutical business and you've got to pay your bills, how did you start doing that? Was I, it health consultancy or? Well, I, I still, I honestly still worked at a pharmacy until about a year ago. I've okay. gone up and I mean, I've gone up and down when I was doing it, I was completely working full time building this website. And I remember everyone being like, you know, family being like, what's like, so what's your business plan? What's your product? And I was like, nothing. I just want to build leverage and then use that. I was like, maybe I'll write a book. Maybe I'll come out with a product. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll be on TV. And no, I don't know. For some reason, it was hard for a lot of people to understand where I was going with that. They didn't see 
now they can see it because I feel like now it's more common. Very cool. So I want to dive in for a minute into your personal philosophy when it comes to health and wellness, right? Because Mm -hmm. I mentioned that at the very beginning, the the pharmaceutical industry is viewed almost completely opposite of the health and wellness industry, and you blend Mm -hmm. the two and bring them together. So what's your philosophy when it comes to that? So what's what you actually what we learn in pharmacy school, you know, we go through disease state management, we go through pharmacology, and we go through every ailment. And the first treatment for everything is lifestyle modification. So the first thing you're supposed to do is assess their diet, their exercise, like see little changes we can do, reduce their stress. And I just, you know, in the workplace, it's just not what happens. We always just go straight to medication. So my whole theory on prevent instead of treat isn't actually that far off from what you're taught to do. I just don't think it's practiced that much. And I like to always remind people, I, I, I am holistic in a sense where I, I would love to prevent instead of treat, like anything we can do to not need it. However, I'm not against medication completely. I think if you have an infection, if you have strep throat, you need an antibiotic. I mean, if you have, you know, in comparison to if you have a cold or just like a virus, I definitely don't think you need to get on a Z-Pack. I would recommend oregano oil and ginger and turmeric and lemon. But if it's something serious, I'm definitely not opposed to medicine. So I have, I think I have a good balance. And then when it comes to skincare and beauty, I really just love diving into because that's where science is so important. I think that the, some of the best products, you know, they're not natural. Like it's they're just because it's not natural doesn't mean it's bad. I think I like to distinguish that too. Mm. So as, as holistic as you can be, but there's nothing wrong with medicine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. So a year ago, you left the pharmaceutical industry. You, st- you started working on your business full time. Uh, what became your essentially marketing plan, right? Because getting started is always the hardest part of this process. Mm-hmm. Your first thousand subscribers or followers and 5,000, 10,000. After you've done that, the momentum kind of takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. But did you go out and start reading books? Did you go to conferences? Were you calling up friends, you know, who were entrepreneurs? How did you make that transition? I've been really lucky to have really, really great mentors. I feel like I've had, I mean, some of my closest friends are just some of the greatest entrepreneurs. I've been lucky to be able to ask them along the way and get that advice along the way. So I think mentorship is huge. I mean, there's so many times during the day or if something comes up when I think back to something one of them has said, like in that situation, and I've used it, like, it's just, it's so important if you if you can find a way. I I think my first I had started building a fall and I really had had a following for the last two years or so It wasn't till this year when I started like little things like, you know, brand deals or brand sponsorships, my online course was one of the first things that really made me like substantial money that I felt comfortable, actually like leaving. And the good thing is I've gone through like, three or four pharmacy jobs over the last few years while I was transitioning where like one wasn't a good fit. One was the last one I worked at. I think the biggest thing that helped was I was so honest. I told them exactly what I was working on, exactly what my goals were. And it was a very understood relationship when I started working there. So I worked, you know, part time. If I had to call out for something, they understood. So it was kind of a slow transition out. So tell us about your first course and what inspired you to put that together. So a friend of a friend, um, actually, so there's these two kids, one, one was, one's from London, one's from Germany, but now lives here. They're young, they're 25. Um, and they, one of them was married to a girlfriend of mine and he had created this course 
in Europe. It's called Comfort Zone Crusher. And I had, I knew nothing about online courses. I actually almost took an online like nutrition course, but I knew nothing about them. And he approached me and asked if I wanted to do one, you know, and I kind of blew off the call a few times. So you never know if you know, <laughs> I just didn't think about it. So he, you know, kept approaching me about it and we sat down and then he told me like, you know, it'll cost like this many thousand dollars to build. And I was like, also like what? Like I didn't, I thought they were just going to do it for free. Luckily, once I actually sat down and understood how much time and work and energy goes into it, I decided to give it a shot. I was actually one of their, they had done it. He had done it so successfully for himself that he was actually just launching his business. It's called Course Concierge. And I was like one of their first clients. So I really trusted in the process. And, you know, he was a friend of a good friend. So I just went with it and I just could not have been happier. It was the best experience. Even now, just they basically walked me through what they do is they're really good at getting the content out of you. So a lot of times I feel like when you're a professional in your field and now you're trying to brand what you know, it's hard to get all your knowledge out in a concise way. Like I could talk forever, but to put it in a course and modules, that's something I wasn't able to do. So we just dove in so deep. I mean, they did market research on my audience. We figured out what they wanted. We really created a product for them. And so I think that was one of the biggest things I learned too, which, you know, anyone starting out should know. It's not always about putting something out that you think is valuable. You need to ask your audience what they want. It's just the best way to do it and create something for them. So we created the, this whole program for them. We, I mean, we had so many calls and content calls where we would like, you know, record phone calls and all. So all of the content's mine. They just kept recording me, recording me, like put it, put it out for me and then just basically organized it into a course for me. Okay. Very cool. And from a marketing perspective, when the course was done, did you have somewhat of an audience already built up at that time that you could promote it to or? I did. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I'd had around a hundred thousand followers when we did it, but what got me was he told me that when they had their course, they didn't even have a social media following. So it's really, I think a lot of it was online marketing and email lists. Like, you know, I didn't have an email list. That was something I hadn't started building. So luckily I had an Instagram. We also, we didn't know like how is Instagram going to convert? I had never tried to sell anything. I had done a few brand deals, but I didn't even know what the sales were. So luckily my audience converted really well. And I think that's also something to know is if someone's building a social media following, it's less about the numbers and really more about the depths of your audience. Because if it's not the right target or who, what, you know, whatever message you're trying to get out there, then it's kind of pointless. Do you have a methodology or a philosophy when it comes to communicating and building your audience on Instagram? Because that's, it's an interesting puzzle to crack, especially if you're, mm-hmm. uh, if you're an introvert, <laughs> if you're an introvert like I am, getting on Instagram is, is, uh, definitely not one of the things I look forward to on a regular basis. But. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a, a methodology for how you've been going about building yours? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I look back on old posts and just to see even how I've evolved and how what I've learned is really cool. I honestly just being as real as you possibly can and being authentic and being vulnerable, like nothing works better than that. People, I think now, I also think it's shifted a little bit you know, before Instagram was a little more salesy and flashy and people wanted to see like beautiful pictures, but now like the more raw and the more real, the better. It's just people want to feel like they can connect to you and the more they can connect to you, the more they trust you. And it's also, you know, I think it's not something to obviously take advantage of, but you just, when you almost develop like a friendship, like I actually genuinely try to get to know people who are following me. There's so many people on my Instagram lives. And now I like, you know, talk to you by first name because they're always commenting or DMing me. 
So I think being as personable as possible and just sharing your truths. I think sometimes people try to go in right away and give life advice. And when like, you know, maybe like you're in your young twenties and you haven't experienced that much. So maybe give advice from the perspective of a 23 year old versus trying to give like really significant life advice. I think that would just work better and mm. be more real, yeah. you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That's a great point. Have y'all done any, anything when it comes to sponsored posts or shout outs to, to bring new people into the, into the audience essentially? Has it just been completely organic based on your posts? No, definitely did a lot of, um, you know, shout outs on pages with similar followings. And that's what we did. That's what we did in the beginning to initially build. So I, I feel like in the beginning, you know, it, as they were coming in, it was, it wasn't like they were really connected to me, if that makes sense. Actually, my Instagram really started out with like health memes and like nutrition facts. And then as I grew and as I developed, you know, I, I almost noticed those did, didn't do as well. And when it was more personal, it did better. So it's completely shifted into a personal page now. And I've noticed a page, if I found like a nutrition page that had 10 million followers and I I got a shout out, it would do okay. But if I knew of a blogger who had like a really connected audience of like 500,000 and she shouted me out, I could probably get a couple thousand because they trust her. So it's so important, like the quality of who you want to share your content, like even podcasts or doing Instagram lives with people, people that have like a real quality engaged audience is just a way better way to go. Yeah. Absolutely. In my experience. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, the quality of the relationships that you have with your audience is everything. It's not the size of the audience or your list that matters. It's, it's the relationship that you have. And that's absolutely everything. So one of the things I know we wanted to touch on today was the I guess, clarity you've recently had when it comes to your purpose, your overall reason for doing what you do today, because it, as you mentioned, it changes when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur, your number one goal is to just pay your bills. Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, once that, once that need essentially is checked off and you've got security, different priorities start to, to come to the top. So what has that been like for you? It's been a really cool experience and I think I've heard it so much and I totally understand if someone's hearing it, but you are in a position where you need money. It's really hard to actually grasp it. But once you're not in kind of a desperation mode, which might even be a good reason to not to really be ready to make that leap, make sure you've either saved or you do both at the same time, because when you do it for a different reason and you really think about the big picture, number one, everything starts working better. But I remember I have this, I have a life coach I see sometimes, you know, we'll have phone calls and I remember like a couple of years ago talking about what I was doing and I was like, well, I just, I just want to make money and it's fun or something like that. And she was like, well, it, but remember, it needs to be a bigger purpose. And I remember her saying that and thinking like she's right, but it really didn't click until later. I think when I started really like reading the comments and my messages and seeing like an actual great impact, like I had someone write me. I don't know if you saw my story, this girl who told me she bought my course and she was 19 and she had been modeling since she was 14. And you know, all these modeling agencies told her she had to lose weight, lose weight when she was like a hundred pounds and she had this eating disorder and then she was overeating and she was like, you know, following your program has given me such a healthy relationship to food. And I feel like you're such a role model. And I just felt this like number one, huge sense of responsibility for everything I put out, you know, I don't know who's watching it, who's reading it. If people are really listening to what I'm saying, I, I have to make sure I'm always giving everything them in the most authentic way. And then two, like, wow, I could really 
help someone or change people or like really motivate them and inspire them. So I think it just gives you a bigger purpose for what you're doing and maybe like really thinking you could make a difference. I don't know. I've heard people say that and I always thought it sounded a little cliche, but you can actually get there. So if anyone's listening and it doesn't register, it will like it can click later. You know, it's interesting when I was first getting started, gosh, 15, 15, 20 years ago now, the, f- the first five years of my entrepreneurial endeavor uh, was mm-hmm. a complete failure. <laughs> and didn't make a dime. Like it, it was just, it was horrible. So I finally got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to make money because this is clearly not working. And I'm just going to try and at least pass along the lessons that I've learned as far as what doesn't work uh, to folks and just simply be of service. And, mm-hmm. and that was it. That became the only agenda. And that's the moment when everything changed. Definitely. Yeah. When you stop chasing, <clears throat> chasing after a personal a personal goal and start focusing on helping other people achieve what they want. Again, it sounds cliched, but there's a reason why so many people continue to, to share that wisdom. It's because it works. What is your vision for your brand and your company, let's say five years from now? You know, I've actually been reflecting on that so much as the year was ending. I've been thinking about like, what do I want to do this year? What do I want to do? And I think it's important to me to have everything really be on track with what I believe in and my brand. I think that's shifted for me in the last you know few months where before maybe I was like, Oh, I could, maybe I could collaborate with this person and we could create a cool product. Maybe I could collaborate. I'm very, very careful now with what I do and what I put my energy towards because I just want everything to be really authentic and real and something that will really help people. So in five years, I definitely hope to have I, I mean, I know I'll have some kind of products. I just don't know exactly what it will be. Like I have ideas for travel skincare packs for an entire skincare line. I just want everything to be done the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I've got some resources I'll send you about that. We've, we've had a few great interviews on the show here with some amazing entrepreneurs who've actually started skincare lines. Um, oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. So I'll make sure you get those. Thank you. How did you meet Russell Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> I met Russell um, at Robin Thicke's house, which is <laughs> which is also funny. I mean, I met Rob. I actually, had only met Robin Thicke recently, and it's LA, so you run into people randomly at random spots. And he had like a pool party, and Russell walked in, and I I kind of knew who Russell was, but not not hundred percent. And he was wearing a hot eight yoga shirt, and that's where I was. I had just started going to yoga, so I was like, hey, I go to yoga there, and. And we just, you know, struck up a conversation and he asked me what I do. He's like, oh, let me guess you're a model. I was like, no, not whatever. So he was really, he, he, you know, is so into meditation and yoga and wellness that we just really hit a similarity there. And he loved that I was building a brand. So we just became, that's kind of the start of our friendship. Yeah, that's very cool. What would you say has been the biggest takeaway from, from what you've learned from him? One of the biggest things is to enjoy the process. I think there's been so many, he's been just such an amazing role model in my life. And there's definitely been days like more so like a couple years ago where I would be like, it's not working. I'm not getting anywhere. And he'd be like, you are just starting. And I remember him saying once, I'm just starting with one of my businesses, which was so crazy to hear, you know, for him to say, you know, at whatever, you know, the age he's at and what he's doing, he still was being patient. So he would always encourage me to just keep going. He'd always say to just keep my head down, focus, always very inspiring, like 
he loves women who are just doing their own thing and who are independent and who are entrepreneurs. So I think he's just been a big push all the time. Every time I would get a little down, he would just keep pushing. And what's been your biggest personal challenge so far when it, when it comes to this whole business thing? My, actually, my biggest personal challenge is, was and is now shifting, but paying attention to other people around me. And seeing, you know, what they're doing, if they're doing it better, why they're growing faster, why they're not. And I think I've like finally learned it's just one of the most detrimental things you can do. Also, because there's so many people out there doing it. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. Like you have your own thing. And if you constantly compare it also, even if you don't realize it, if I'm constantly like watching what everyone else is doing, you almost subconsciously not repeat it, but kind of like maybe morph into it a little bit. And it's not you. And I think it's important to just be uniquely you because no one can beat you at that. So just really focusing on myself and not the other noise around me. I actually used to think you have to see what's going on to see what your competition is, because then you have to know how you can stay on your A game. But that's that was like the worst advice I gave to myself. <laughs> so focusing on my own stuff is then. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's really cool that you said that. I, uh, I've definitely done the same thing. But I think what I found if, you know, I have a colleague in our world, I, I use Lewis House as an example around this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few years ago, Lewis was the first, gosh, you know, entrepreneur, I guess, in the, the motivational education industry that really put effort into personal branding and photography and, you know, going on shoots with Nick Onkin and everything like that. And, uh, and just building something that looked amazing. And I was like, ah, I'm super annoyed that I'm not doing the same thing. And so he really inspired me to, to start heading down that path. And then you oh, have wow. to, you have to figure out a way to, to stand out beyond that, right? You can't just copy. You're like, okay, that person's raised the bar. I need to step up my game. And mm-hmm. then what can you do to do the same, uh, you know, to take the next step? So that's a good point. So you, you can be inspired by other people, but not competitive, I guess. I mean, yeah. not, not to a detrimental point. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> healthy competition. <laughs> Well, speaking of speaking of healthy, I wanted to see if we could put your your health hat on for a little bit and dive sure. into your philosophy when it comes to that. And I'm I'm specifically asking for somewhat of a selfish reason because uh, <laughs> I just turned forty a few months ago, and all of a sudden, yeah, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you realize I'm I'm no spring chicken anymore, and uh, you're like, okay. I have to, this is something I have to, to start putting some effort and some real thought into at a much higher level than you would in your twenties or thirties. Right. Mm -hmm. So what would your advice be to those out there who want to focus on longevity specifically over the long run? So my biggest advice and one, if I had to pick one thing, and this is really a huge concept I talk about in my course and in my content is to look at your body. It, as a whole, like think of the big picture. I think the problem I have with so many of these diets, like maybe like keto or Atkins or whatever, not as much keto, but is they focus on one thing. Like, let's say it's weight loss. Let's say it's muscle building. You know, if you're, if you're listening to a, you know, a trainer maybe who wants you to build muscle, they're going to tell you to eat eggs and chicken and protein powder and not eat any fruit, but eat bacon. And that just is so astonishing to me that someone could tell you that maybe in the moment, some of these fad diets or detoxes or whatever will get you those quick results that you want. And you might lose more fat than someone who's doing it the right way. But what are you doing for your body as a whole and for overall health? Like if you want something that's actually sustainable, 
think about the big picture. So if you were to look at, you know, like a diet Coke and a green juice, I love this example because the diet Coke has zero calories, zero sugar, and you could have a green juice that has 15 grams of sugar and 90 calories. So if you just look at it black and white, someone would take the soda. But if you're really thinking about how much it's nourishing you, the energy it's giving you, really that green juice is detoxing and helping you get rid of some of that extra fat in your stomach. So it actually helps you lose more weight than the Diet Coke. I think using that example is just a perfect way to kind of embody how to look at health. So if someone tells you that you can eat a, bur- a burger and cheese and bacon, but you can't eat pineapple, just think of like how absurd that sounds. <laughs> you know, you know, like do, do what's going to fight disease and make you live like a longer, healthier life. Like think about the small things like wanting to like be able to run around with your grandkids. I think that's things a lot of young people don't think about and they just want to look hot in the moment. It's actually why we called my course hot and healthy because we were like, it's not just about being hot and skinny. Like there's two aspects to it. So I love to just kind of get people on the right mindset of health. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And you're vegan, right? I'm vegan. Yeah. Have you always been vegan? Is that a, from your No, you know, it's only like the last four years. I, I mean, I used to eat everything, even all the way up until I was like 25, 26. Then I started, I kind of started cutting out dairy because I, I really liked the almond milk and the coconut milk. I just kind of liked it better anyway. And I stopped eating a lot of red meat just when I came to LA. Everyone's so health conscious here. <laughs> you know, I started, so it kind of started, I, everyone that goes vegan, the last two things they give up is cheese and sushi because everyone loves those two things a lot. And that's how it was with me. Like I would just eat cheese sometimes and I would have sushi. And then what's interesting is my older brother, he's three years older than me, just was like getting these heart palpitations and he gets a little overstressed over <laughs> situations, but he kept getting these heart palpitations and my dad and him went to a cardiologist and the cardiologist, you know, for a couple different doctors had told him, oh, you need to get this procedure done where they basically like send like a zap up to your heart and like shock out this like palpitation. And this other doctor was like, you need to go vegan and lose 20 pounds. Like this is all stress. Like you're, this is, you do not need to get this. Like this, this is just going to help you. So we were like, okay, let's give it a try. He told my dad too. So I decided to go vegan and, you know, I told his girlfriend at the time and everyone like we should all go vegan just to be supportive because it's going to be hard like if we're sitting at a dinner table and whatever. So I stuck with it. No one else really did. But when I went vegan, it just I just felt so much better about and like my energy. I feel like my skin got better. I, it was just I just really enjoyed the way, that way of living. And I've just never really gone back. Interesting. You know, one of the biggest challenges that I've had when it comes to let's just say, let's just say eating vegan, right, is, is food prep. So mm-hmm. a few years ago, I, I went completely raw vegan for three months straight. So not only vegan, but raw as well and everything. Raw is difficult. I give you credit for that. Well, I cheated kind of. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, need, I, I like warm food, so I totally understand that. Uh, the only way it was possible is because I had a full-time chef doing the food prep. Oh, there you go. And she was at the house in the kitchen eight, 10 hours a day. And it was amazing. Like the food she made, raw vegan lasagna, like just ridiculous stuff. But it was literally a full-time job for her. And from a health perspective, it was absolutely amazing. I probably dropped 15 pounds. All of my inflammation went away. I felt fantastic. But about three or four months in, I just got super emotional all the time. And I think what it was a hormonal deal. 
Wow. Yeah, I, I, that, that's my guess. I thought that was, so. I thought that was really interesting, and I went and and had a piece of meat, and I was totally back to normal the next day. So interesting. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I really saw the benefits of it, and I appreciate it. And I'm uh, absolutely on board with the the whole anti-inflammatory benefits of a plant-based diet, right? Mm-hmm. But from a practicality standpoint, I literally live across the street in Austin from the Whole Foods headquarters, so I've got access to anything I could ever need. But even eating vegetarian or vegan is tough unless you, you're willing to live on salads and green juice the entire time because there's a lot of prep involved. So mm-hmm. do you use a service that maybe does pre-made meals for you? Are you in the kitchen prepping all of your food yourself? How does how does that work well, for you? I have, a, there is a really great service I use called Sakara. Um, I can even, I can send you a link to put on this podcast that I, I really like them. Um, they're a hundred percent plant-based, really great meals. I do definitely think that if, I mean, I'm very lucky to live in LA. I have everything at my fingertips that mm. I need. I could, I could order vegan at 11 at night. Raw is, is difficult. I, I totally agree. It's almost like not as practical, but it's, I, I definitely, I, eat salads every day, but that's like my pre-meal. I actually eat a lot of food because I work out a lot, but I'll have like, you know, gluten-free pastas or kelp noodles, or I'll do like, you know, sprouted rice and quinoa and oats and chickpea salads or, you know, warm chickpeas, like stuffed peppers. Like there's so many different things. I think as you learn and you figure out how to eat and go along the way, it's fine. But raw, I think is difficult from a practicality standpoint for other people. I to, especially if you live in maybe a smaller town where things aren't as accessible to you. I think in a perfect world, it would be great, but I can, I can see how that would be hard. And yeah. I also like, I'm really big on one is better than nothing. And I think that if you are eating, if you're cutting out dairy, let's say dairy is like my biggest thing I try to recommend for all people to cut out. If you're not eating dairy and you're eating more veggies and you have a, you know, if you have red meat even twice a week or once a week, that's still better than having it every day and having, you know, all these other animal products throughout your day. Have you had queso before? That's just cheese, right? <laughs> you can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's there's no way. There's no way if you live in Texas you can give up queso. It's just not going to happen. Is that just like <laughs> melt? Is that like melted cheese? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that would give me like the worst stomach. <laughs> you know, I used to love cheese, and then I just stopped eating it to go vegan. And then one time, like, you know, months later, a year later, I was like, I'm just going to have a bite. And it made me so sick. So your body actually, like, when it cleans out, <laughs> learns to not deal with it anymore. Yeah, that, no, that's interesting. I, uh, that, would, that would give me pause. I don't know if I could, if I could continue without the occasional queso order. Yeah, <laughs> and it's hard. It's also cultural. Like, where you live, it's around you all the time. Like, where I live, there's, like, vegan shakes in my face all the time. Yeah, Austin's, like raw food. Austin's interesting where every every food service and meal prep service here is paleo. Oh, really? And I don't know why, but it's there's meat in every single dish you can find. Maybe because it's like healthy, but it still has meat. So it's like their way of being maybe, I don't know, because it's, it's a meat-heavy culture, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've yeah. never been, so I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Very healthy city, but but definitely on the, on the paleo front. I've heard it's a great city. It's getting to be pretty awesome, you know, from a from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's becoming, you know, the Silicon Valley of the South, essentially. We have face, oh. Facebook, Apple, Google, Microsoft, you know, South by Southwest is here every year. And I think in my condo building downtown, we probably have at least 20 or 30 entrepreneurs that live in just okay. this building. So, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Very, very cool city. 
So we've got a we've got a few minutes uh, left here now. What advice would you give to those who are listening who want to start building a personal brand? Let's say they're very good at at a specific subject matter, mm-hmm. and they want to start a business, and they're gonna they're gonna start sharing their knowledge with the world. What advice would you would you give them to to stand out from the crowd and to start building their audience? I've got a few things. I can't pick one. (laughs) One would be to find a niche, just to find something that you're doing a little different, whether that's your personality, whatever it is, just find something that you're doing a little differently. Find an interesting way to communicate whatever it is. So sometimes like, you know, pharmacy or health can be boring, but you can find a way to make it interesting and appealing. Use each social media platform differently. Like Instagram is very visual, but what works on Instagram does not work on Facebook. Like posting photos on Facebook doesn't work. So, you know, that audience is maybe an older demographic where they want more articles or more videos. So find each platform and figure out what works for them and do your research. Collaborations are huge. And then also to just take it really seriously. I think, a, you know, a misconception is that these influencers just get to take pretty pictures and travel. It's just such a full time. I mean, I pay someone monthly even to help me organize my content. Like it's such a full-time job, even responding to people and keeping up with your community. So if you want to do it, just know it's serious. If you want it to be serious or, or just treat it as a hobby. If you want it to be a hobby, I think just pick one and then pick your lane there. Yeah. I think the, the biggest difference between those who attempt to build an audience online and those who do is consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, when I started this podcast two years ago, I called up Lewis and I was like, hey, what do I need to know if I'm going to do this? And he's like, you've got to post a new episode every single week for at least two or three years or don't even bother starting it because wow. that's, that's the amount of time it's going to take, right? So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's... that's some, yeah, really, I even forgot that tip. Consistency is also huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, this also, has been... One, a, oh, no, sorry, I just... One, one thing you said just really stood out. You might be able to grow a viral page really quickly, you know, you could post funny memes and whatever, but if you want a community, there's no shortcut, right? Like even what Lewis said, do it for three years because people, it takes a long time for people to connect with you. So just know you're in it for a long time if you want that kind of community. Yeah, without a doubt. And if you, you know, stick to it and you have an opportunity to build an audience, there's nothing better from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, how, I don't know, I don't know how many of your, your courses you sold in your launch last week, but how cool was it that you get to, you know, hold up your phone and record some videos and send a few emails and, you know. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's so mind blowing. Like I was like, I made this much money. Like it used to take me how many months to make this much money. It's just, it's just a cool feeling. And you, not like you feel bad, but you're almost like, wow, I did it. Like, so it's cool. You can get there. It just takes a little while. So once you build that trust and you put out a good product, people will buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can people go to connect with you? So you can find me everywhere. The same username. It's Dr. Mona Vand, D-R-M-O-N-A-V-A-N-D. Um, on YouTube, it's a little different. I actually don't have a specific one yet. So you can just search me on YouTube and I'll pop up. <laughs> awesome. And your primary channel is Instagram, right? Instagram is my primary, definitely. Cool. Awesome. Well, Dr. Monavand, thank you so much for joining us. This has been uh, been a great conversation and it's been really neat to watch your progression over the last you know year or so as, uh, as you've built this brain. It's been awesome. So thanks thank so much you. for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. Very good. Well, guys, gals, thank you so much for joining us as always. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Take care.
Kiki. Kiki.